0: Welcome to Plane Talk. Plane Talk has a new podcast every two weeks with up-to-date information about aviation technologies for general and business aviation. From home to cockpit to boardroom to personal tech, Plane Talk provides informative information for pilots, industry insiders, and aviation enthusiasts alike. My name is Phil Lightstone. I'm a general aviation pilot with over 1,900 hours in my logbook, flying almost every week with over 30 years' experience in the technology and aviation industries. So we're here at the CBAA convention, and I'd like to welcome Sandy Nelson, Chief Brand Officer and Business Development Officer, millionaire into the Plain Talk cockpit. How are you, Sandy? Wonderful. Thank you for having me. And welcome from scenic uh, Houston to hot, humid, I think uh, I brought the weather. <laughs> oh my God, it's like 45 centigrade in the hangar. I've sweated through absolutely everything I've, I'm wearing and I'm waiting for a, a dip in a swimming pool. That would be exciting, it
1: really just to cool off. <laughs>
0: have you ever thought of adding swimming pools? We used to have
1: our first FBO had a swimming pool in the in, along with the fitness center and a tanning bed. Wow. <laughs> Back in the day when that was a little bit more desirable. Now we have a... Now we have a more refined use of real estate in our FBOs. Sorry to
0: hear that. No. (laughs) A day like this, I think if the folks here at Sky Service had a a swimming pool, uh, we'd all be in it. It
1: depends on the city. How many times are the pilots spending several hours at the FBO waiting for their clients to
0: come back to take off? We started in 2001 with Millionaire.
1: Well, I started working in 1995 with the current, the the owner of uh, the network of millionaire FBOs. Back then, we were a charter company. We were a charter company and um, air medical. I came from 15 years in air medical. Wow, what did you do? Uh, A flight, a life flight paramedic. Wow. And then um, when we couldn't fly somewhere in a rotor wing, we would have to hire... A charter company at, at, in Houston to fly anywhere in the world to repatriate. A lot of times, American citizens who were injured or ill, bringing them back into the hospital systems in in Houston. Houston has the Texas Medical Center, so it's got a lot of different, a lot of different types of uh, hospitals there. And so, whenever he was a pilot, whenever he was the captain uh, or the pilot flying, he would we would have conversations about ideas. He goes, "You need to come work for me." I said, oh, I've got a great job at a great hospital. Like I was heading up some a little bit of research, um, working with NASA. And um, that was a lot of fun. And we just had so, many, had so much fun coming up with ideas. So I joined and I ran the air medical division for our charter company, American Jet Air Medical. I uh, did that for a while. We grew on airplanes pretty quickly. And as a tenant, it was time for us to buy an FBO. And so we bought an FBO in 1999 and happened to be a millionaire franchise. Learned a lot about the FBO business uh, as a franchisee. And we really, really did an amazing job of growing the business in Houston at at an FBO that was pretty sleepy. And it became very popular with the customers that we were already doing business with on our charter side. And then uh, in two thousand and one, we took over the trademark rights to the Millionaire name and started rebranding the, wow. the Millionaire Network. Wow! And so since two thousand and one, I have been from vice president of marketing to chief brand officer with an amazing team of people with a lot of energy. And amazing! Outside. And there was absolutely no box, and we've done a lot of really really cool stuff.
0: So. Your thoughts around transitioning to a more sustainable environment. What does that look like?
1: So we know that it's coming. We know Europe is very ahead of us um, on um, in sustainability and the, th- the policies they've put in place at, at their airports and their in the countries. And so I'm going to like pull away from sustainable aviation fuel. I'm going to p- not talk about that. I'm going to talk about the role that an FBO as an FBO that we have as FBOs, and what do we do to help, but what, what can we do to lower our carbon footprint? The most important thing you can do is step on the scale. You have to have an initial assessment through, there there's several companies out there that will come out and do assessments on your carbon footprint for your facility. Again, this is this is strictly for us. And so we get to see what our carbon footprint is, and then we start a program at every year lowering our carbon footprint um, through purchasing carbon offsets. And cur- carbon offsets are... I'm, and I'm going to use the wrong word because I don't know what the right word is, but carbon offsets is money that you pay every year for the, the carbon that you emit, and that money gets used and delegated to projects... Where there's new research going on, where there's new implementation of programs or I mean, uh, manufacturing or whatever that is even lowering the carbon footprint further. So it, it it's a cycle you know, where everything is giving back, trying to, and every time that's every time it makes a circle keeps keeps going back up and back. I mean, it, it escalates to where we're working together,
0: and I, I suppose you know hand in glove with. Sustainability is the whole transition to electrified aircraft.
1: Electrified aircraft. Um, there was a lot at eBase this year, um, both for the helicopter and for the the aircraft, uh, fixed wing. We're prepared for that. In fact, as we build new facilities, we have, think electrical. You know, we have to begin with the end bind at The opportunities, you know, rather than having to redo wiring, it's set up to do wiring. It's set up to do wiring for EV charging station. It's set up to do wiring for ground power units. We're, we're, we have the first electric ground power unit in our Millionaire White Plains in New York, which um, is actually working very well. And... We're testing that because we want to know how many chart, how many minutes, or how many half hours the GPU can charge, how it can be plugged into an aircraft before it has to be recharged, and so all of the. So you have to think about that when you're doing building infrastructure about having the, that wiring in place, and so it's a, it's going to be the same kind of wiring that's going to be required for um, electric airplanes. There's companies out there that will will put them in with. You don't pay for it. They put them in, and, it, and it's like their own mini gas station on your property. Right. Or you can put them in yourself. yourself.
0: Yeah. Have you started to look at the transition to electric Bowser's? And so an electric, uh, so a fuel truck. Okay. Rather than having 100 low lead in it, our Jet A it has an electrical power bank. Right. Drive it out to to the to the aircraft, plug it in come back 20 minutes later. good to go.
1: Right now we're looking at biodiesel and the use of biodiesable renewable diesel and one of those two is the correct one. <laughs> I don't remember there is a difference between those two. One of them may, requires modification and testing of the engines and it depends on how big how new the fuel the fuel truck is but it is it so it, it has a lower carbon emission a lower carbon footprint and um, having discussions with people inside and outside the industry, I'm hearing hearing everything from hydrogen to um, biodiesel, renewable diesel um, to uh, there's a, there's a lot coming out uh, and and a lot still in development. It's going to be a really interesting next couple of decades.
0: My uh, personal favorite is fungible fuels, which is a, Process that's already has beta testing plants operational, where you take essentially mine carbon emissions out of the air, so take carbon out of the air, yes. apply electricity to it, with being close to Niagara Falls, copious amounts of clean energy, and then uh, with a proprietary process, manufacture any kind of fuel you want. And it seems to me that putting in a little micro fungible fuel plant at Pearson gets rid of the whole supply chain issue. And from uh, your perspective, no longer having to buy carbon offset credits because you're actually pulling, you could actually sell your own carbon offset.
1: Right. Well, and that, I mean, I've heard about what you're, what you just described. I don't know a lot about it, Um, but there's a, you know, there's also a lot of alternatives for sustainable aviation fuel. And so it, There's a lot to learn, Um, but one of the things that we can do for our customer, so as a part of our carbon assessment, there's scope one and scope two. Scope one being our direct emissions. That's going to be the diesel that we use, the gasoline that we use for all of our equipment. It's going to be, are we buying clean electricity or is the electricity that we're purchasing to power our facilities coming from uh, some sort of fossil fuel? So scope one and scope two are cover those areas, okay? Scope three, which right now um, in the United States, we're focusing on scope one and scope two, but scope three is um, how far do your employees commute to work? Scope three is everything else that is, are you doing business with companies
0: who are? Environmentally friendly. Right. So, so-, so then would, you then start to line up your suppliers into an A category and a B category. And one day, create preferred. Poss-
1: possibly one. Possibly one day, we'll start paying attention to Scope three. One day, um, but right now we're focused on Scope one and Scope two. Now, what we can do for our customers is is start um, putting sustainable aviation fuel um, in our fuel farms. Um, what, whether it is at at any mix. If it's a two percent mix or or fifteen or eighteen percent mix, whatever, but the cost of that is so high. So there's a we call it a green premium, and there's a lot of companies that want to do something um, for the environment, but not at the cost of fuel of what it is today. So so what we can do is we can book and claim because there's fuel that is being sold in the state of California with great tax credits and. It's already being pumped through the system um, and put on, air, on on commercial airlines. And we, if we if you've flown commercial, you're already flying on sustainable aviation fuel, at at whatever percentage that mix is. And so that book and claim is when somebody else in another state could pay for the fuel, pay for the pay for the the carbon credit uh, as a part of their fuel price. And it doesn't, you're not paying. You know, five times, three times, five times more
0: uh, the cost of jet aviation. So are you creating that blueprint to sustainability, electrification, environmental changes that is then rolled out across the, the whole the whole network?
1: So we are putting together a sustainability plan. I'm glad we didn't do it at a year ago because to th- because a year later, I would have already changed it because there's so much new information that's coming out. And we've got to really study it carefully to understand the opportunities, what's coming out. Uh, We're studying solar panels on our rooftops. Um, We're studying EV charging stations. We're even working right now with our rental car agencies, making sure that they have, we know that they have electric vehicles as well that we can can, uh, also rent for our customers. Uh, but at the same time, too, we would need to support our customers that have, have gone electrical, they, that they have charging stations uh, available to them when they come into the FBO. We don't have to use rapid charging because they're getting on an airplane. And so we can use, you know, a, a, a simpler,
0: yeah, a simpler um, plug. So, uh, excuse the pun, mm-hmm. what's on the horizon, millionaire?
1: Growth, expansion of our footprint, um, we have some thoughts on Europe. We have some thoughts on Latin America. Um, that for those F- those independently owned FBOs that are interested in joining Millionaire, they would need to be interested in our future where we're headed, including sustainability, including you know everything from the service levels to an employee culture. An employee culture is an extremely important part of our our uh, DNA. Uh, and then on top of that, the um, Anything that's that anything that's new that makes sense for our network, and so we come up with a lot of good ideas that we'll beta test first at a corporate-owned FBO. So, what are
0: what are the top three?
1: I would say the top three is truly living in a in a in a, in a work environment that has a strong employee culture. We live the upside-down pyramid where there's servant leadership. We're here to provide resources for our frontline employees to really do an amazing job. You know that old cliche: happy people, happy employees, happy customers. There's some ma- there's some magic in that because people will come walk into our facilities, and when the team is happy and they're engaged and they're and they're awake, passengers can feel the difference. I've had a customer comment card that really stood out for me, and, it, and the pilot they wrote in said, "You know, I walked into this Millionaire FBI and it just didn't feel like a millionaire." He wasn't talking about the facility. He wasn't talking about anything else. That he said it, there was something missing, and we looked into it, and it turned out that there was a, a employee turnover in, in leadership, and so there was a struggle, and it and it plays itself out in the environment, in the ambiance, it's Survive. a vibe, right? And so that, that's number. That's one. of our, our top most important elements. Number two is providing resources for our owners and our managers so that they can carry those standards, those brand standards to fruition, whether it be uh, some of the uh, the programs we have in place, support on the learnings, on learning, support on all aspects of of management and operation of an FBO. Three right now is really the sustainability part just because it's front and center, but it's hard to narrow down just three. (laughs)
0: Well, I really appreciate you taking time out of today's uh, event. Any final words for the Plain Talk audience?
1: I think the most important piece is just to remember that right now the industry is growing so fast and we're having year-over-year year growth in the industry, and that, that growth is, is trajectory. I mean, and, and we, have to, we have to always be evaluating the pulse of our culture the pulse of, of our customer satisfaction and always monitoring the safety components with the compression points that happen when everybody comes in at the same time, everybody leaves at the same time. So I think if you're going to develop something, develop it, but you've got to go back and constantly re- inspect and making sure that it's still relevant and fine tune it. Listen to your front line that's telling you it's not working anymore. Listen to your front line that says, Hey, I've got a better idea. All of those um, communications with all levels of, a, of, a, of an organization continues to improve the business so that we can serve our customers, so we can serve our family, or our employees. We can make sure that, um, that we're consistently delivering that service model that we promise our customers to
0: deliver. Sandy, again, thank you so much for being part of Plain Talk. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of Plain Talk. If you have any ideas for a future Plain Talk episode, please go to the contact us page at plaintalk.ca and send in your idea. Don't forget to like us at plaintalk.ca, our Facebook and LinkedIn pages, and this podcast, and never stop living the dream.